Hello, welcome to Pansa Pansa Live Podcast. This is the second episode called Home Divide. In this episode, Baba and I explore what drives African immigrant parents and their children apart. There are two parts to this episode. There's part one and as well as there's part two, which will be released back back and back to each other. So listen and enjoy, and I hope you share this episode among members of our community, as many people as possible, because we have to continue to have dialogue about the challenges that is going on within African immigrant community. Thank you. Welcome to the Panza Panza Forum. In the Yoruba language, the word panza is usually injected into poetry to express an uncomfortable, uncensored, and inconvenient truth. The Panza Panza Forum is candid conversations about the life of African immigrants in America as it relates to their adaptation to their new home. While some may find it easy to integrate and can balance between retaining the original African culture while accepting the culture of their new home, Many continue to struggle to find a balance between both worlds. On today's episode, we'll be discussing some of the factors that drive immigrant parents and their children apart. We will be touching on the conflict of cultures in the immigrant home, the pressure parents place on kids to conform to narrow definitions of success, and how African parenting skills translate in the Western society. As an immigrant child, it's typically expected that we attain conventional career success. And yeah. within my generation, we often joke that <laughs> that to African parents, you basically have four options. You're mm-hmm. either a doctor, you're either a lawyer, you're either an engineer, or you are a disappointment. <laughs> um, so <laughs> that's sort of the general idea. And, you know, we joke about it and we laugh, but it's coming from a place of a little part of it is serious. It's coming yeah. from a place where we understand that that's the conventional, that's the typical expectation on us. So in addition to those career definitions, we're yeah. also expected to comport ourselves very properly, to adhere to respectability. We've already touched on the idea that you're disgracing your parents is the worst thing you can do to them. It's like cutting mm-hmm. off their right hand if you disgrace yeah. your parents. Yeah. And that's all part of this respectability that we're expected to adhere to. And that's difficult because mm-hmm. it's difficult because in American society, you don't do well with too much respectability. You're mm-hmm. supposed to have opinions. You're supposed to be able to stand up for yourself. Even in the classroom, you really won't be able to engage with your professors. You really won't be able to really interact on the level that American society expects you to Mm -hmm. interact. Mm -hmm. And I understand, for the most part, I understand, or I'm trying to understand better through this podcast and just through conversations with older Africans, especially parents. I'm trying to understand that this pressure, it's not coming from an evil place, of course. It's not coming from a a malicious place. It's coming from our parents really wanting the best for us and our parents feeling that these career options and these ideas about how to carry yourself, that's the best way to succeed in America. And so they put on the pressure to motivate us and to push us 
to exceed what they may feel like they weren't able to achieve because of the lack of opportunities. And so the idea is, well, we've left our motherland. (laughs) We've come to this land of abundant opportunities, right? Mm -hmm. Why wouldn't you go for the best? Why wouldn't you go for the top, right? And in as much as I acknowledge that it's coming from a good place, we also need to acknowledge that it can be quite damaging to kids, right? Some people thrive on that. Some people don't. And we cannot assume that all kids, just by virtue of being African, will be either a doctor, lawyer, engineer. (laughs) Some people are just not cut out for certain things. So I would like for us to talk a little bit about that. I would like for you to share your perspective as a parent. Where do you think these pressures are coming from? Other than the reason I've already given, which is, you know, parents really wanting the best for their kids and, and somehow believing that those are the best options out there. Where yeah. else do you think this is coming from? This well, I'm going to refer back home too. Because when I was back home, when growing up in Nigeria, in Lagos especially, it doesn't matter whether you are Yoruba, Ibo, or Awusa, you have a child who went to college, who went to university, and they become doctor or lawyer or engineer. Whether they're calling you Mama Sam before or Mama Baba, the name changed. Now, Mama Doctor. Mama engineer, mama lawyer, they call you by that title of your children's achievements. So a lot of time, those area of specialties were very common more back home, especially in Nigeria. They think is lucrative area of uh, specialty that you will never go wrong. You always make a living. So it's a non-territory. Because many times parents are actually afraid of the unknown. And the sense of pride that I have a child who is able to go to school and acquire a degree in medicine or in law or in engineering, that means I've acquired success in life. So we attach our children's success to our own success. So that pulls a lot of pressure on the children without understanding that not everybody will be a lawyer, doctor, or engineer. Because like you said, Baba, you know, this is a country with so much abundance of different areas that you could go. You could say, you know, I'm dropping out of two-year college or I'm not even going to college. I want to become a chef. I want to go to a culinary arts school and start my own restaurant business. Or I want to do something completely different. And that comes also from lack of integration of many African parents in this country. When I say integration, integration does not mean only for you to go to school and you have your degree as a parent and, you know, but your social circle is still among your fellows. You haven't really branched out to other community. What is it that they're doing? You could work in a corporate America whereby you don't even connect with your co-workers. You just go to work every day, you leave, and that's it because you are not connecting. So I see that in many African immigrant community of my age group who came here maybe, even those who just came in as well. So how do you integrate? How do you find out what other opportunities is out there? And we cannot continue to define for our children what we want them to be. And we have to understand that they have to find their own path. And success is not about how much income are you making or what your position is in a corporate America or what your position is in it, do you love what you do? Do you feel like getting up in the morning, going to whatever it is that you do? 
I've come across a Nigerian who went to medical school and he ended up not practicing. He's producing movies with his medical degree because he said the degree is for his mom, his parents. Oh and I've come across thousands of okay, dollars, isn't it? Dollars have come across another African first generation who went to law school. And he said, I went to law school because my parents want me to go and study law, but I'm in real estate. I don't want to be a lawyer. So what is the point of pushing our children into something that they can't do or is not part of their interest? So we have to allow them to find themselves. And another thing we are afraid of in our community, we are afraid of failure. We don't want to. We don't want anything to happen whereby, okay, you cannot make ends meet. You can't do this, you know, you failed, you're not making it. But how can someone learn to get up when you don't fall down? Even the companies who make automobiles or they build planes, they have to fail many times in order to perfect it. So we have to allow our children to live their life, find themselves, what is it that they are good in? It's not about us. It's not. It's about them to find their own path and their way of what they want to do with their own life. It's part of what parents need to realize. The only thing is to give them support. The idea that everybody has to be a doctor and lawyer, oh, we want to create that idea of model minorities. Each person, we don't have the same brain. You know the damage of what model minority could be within the community. Because when the time comes, when Many of our children who had different way of learning, I'll call it learning differences, whereby they might be dyslexia, does not mean they are not smart enough, whereby they might have some other issue going on, maybe in reading, maybe in so many other things. Parents, if you have that kind of mindset and you continue to pressure that child who is not doing well in school, you're not finding out why the child is not doing well in school and say, you know what, let me see if I can go and talk to specialists in that school. Maybe this is the child who needs to be evaluated to see whether he or she needs extra help in certain area. But your focus is how your child is going to get A, how your child is going to be able to be top of the class academically without understanding that maybe there's something that is missing in your child. So let's assume you have two children. One is getting all A's. This one is not getting, then you start comparing. Why don't you be like your sister? Why don't you be like your brother? You have to understand what is it that is happening with this other child. It's easy for that parent to just say, well, whatever you want to do with your life, go ahead and do it. And you talk down on that child regularly, constantly, because they are not meeting up to your standard without finding out what is wrong. How can I navigate through the system to find out maybe this child needs to be placed in special education setting whereby they could get extra help. One thing I've seen with a lot of our people, when you talk about special education, they say, oh, they put all those children there for the purpose of failure. But you know what? You have to understand how to navigate through the system. You have to interact with other people. Who their children are actually getting special education setting in a setting that gears towards their special needs. So you have to navigate because not everybody has the same brain. So when you constantly put the other child down, you damage the emotional balance of that child. You damage that child emotionally to make believe that he or she cannot make it. And the other one that you prep up so high and say, oh, this is my star child. Actually, you're also doing damage on the other one that you think 
<laughs> is the star. Because if you will feel like, oh, I'm on top of the world, I'm the most smartest person you will ever be. And then it goes out, <laughs> okay, maybe get into college and he find that there are much more smarter people than him. And that leads to other emotional issue. Saying that, I thought I was smarter. How come I'm meeting all these people? And that child could easily give up. And like you said, which I want to be able to point that out also, when we are not allowing our children to actually be able to express themselves within the household, how that can they practice when they go outside? It's the same thing that they're going to do when they go outside. Because at home, you practice from home. I remember when my children were young, I used to take them to library or even some bands and nobles. And you see white parents asking two-year-old, would you like to read this book? Do you think you like this story? And the child is actually expressing themselves. Full sentence, speaking, looking at you straight in the eyes and express themselves. And that's what American society calls for. If you raise a child whereby he or she cannot look straight in people's eyes, they don't know whether it's their culture. They might think that child don't have enough confidence to express him or herself. And then you wonder why maybe they're having so much difficulties when it comes to engaging into the dominant society. So it's something that we need to create time. And I know we could talk about working. We're busy. We want to pay the bills. There's so many things that we have to take care of. But this society requires something completely different than what we're used to. When I had my children, I cut off so many communications. I don't pick up my phone during the week unless it's emergency. I don't come home from work and engage in some nonsense conversation with some people or friends or any other person. Unless it's emergency, I don't pick up phone. I come home, even the TV is not on because I want to find out what happened during the day when you were in school, how was your day? And have that conversation back and forth with my children. So it's something that we need to actually start having with our kids so that when they go out, they will have the confidence to express themselves. Because if we have to, oh, don't look at me while you're talking to me. Don't talk to me this way. Don't talk to me that way. I'm not saying children have to be disrespectful. That's not what I'm saying. But we have to be able to allow dialogue with our children. Oh, wonderful, wonderful, wonderful. Thank you so much Thank for you. that. Thank wow. you. I must say, this is something that came to mind while I was listening to you, that honestly, a child who will be a doctor will be a doctor. <laughs> you know? I feel like, just from my own personal experience, and to tell me, you've met my mom, mm -hmm. you know, the relationship I have with my mom, and my mom is not the type to pressure her kids to do anything. And so I didn't have any pressure to be a lawyer, a doctor, or an engineer. Yeah. Of course, mm -hmm. I knew that culturally, these are the things that are prioritized. Yes. And these are the things that are valued. But I never had my mom be like, it's this or nothing, right? My mom would always say, oh, you know, that would be nice, but whatever makes you happy. And yeah. won't you have it that I ended up with one of those traditional paths, right? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And that's what I mean by... Not because I've been pressured to go into law, but because 
I like that because I enjoy yeah. it because yeah. I found my path to, that. to be that. Right. And yeah. that's where my journey and my life has led me to. Yeah. And so it comes with a lot less anxiety than yeah. I think other people might encounter. And yes. also because of the fact that I, I've not been pressured to go down this road, I know that I'm not going to get there and be like, oh, I absolutely hate this. I did it for somebody else. I'm mm -hmm. just going to abandon this degree and do yeah. something else, right? Yeah. Of yeah. course, other things might come in the way that may, hopefully not, but things may happen that will send me on another path, right? Yeah. But if I'm to change careers drastically, it's not going to be because I did this for my mom or for yes. my family. Yes. It's going yes. to be because something else has happened. I found another passion, whatever. But that's all to say that, again, the child who will end up in a certain field will end up in that field. And if they should end up in that field, they'll get there with less anxiety, with less anxiety. stress, yes. with less... Yes emotional issues with less psychological issues because let's yes. face it american society puts enough pressure on mm. kids to succeed in a certain way american yes. society is very difficult to thrive in especially like as a black person you know and yes. if you're a black woman wow you have three strikes you know you're, you're <laughs> black you're a woman you're an immigrant things can be very harsh and so yes. the last thing that a child needs it's for the parent to apply even more pressure. pressure. I know they say pressure creates diamonds or whatever, but pressure can also break certain things. Yes. So yes. it's not everyone who is mentally set up to respond positively to pressure. Yes. Yes. So I think to get back to the main topic of today's episode, a huge part of the divide in most African homes is this, pressure to go down a specific path because what happens is you can have two things right so you can have kids who to avoid disappointing their parents they pursue that traditional path just to make their parents happy but this yeah. leads to resentment right this leads to mm -hmm. hidden resentment where the children feel like they're doing something that's not in their heart but then they're afraid to come out and say it to them they resent yeah. their parents yeah. right and the next thing you know they're cold towards their parents there's no communication there's no emotional affection between parents and children because mm -hmm. the children are cold and they cut out their emotions as a coping mechanism really the other ones the braver ones i would say who would defy their parents and do whatever they want and pursue music or fashion or the arts or the other things that are are less accepted in our society they can do that but then that leads to resentment in the parent mm -hmm. so it's a thing where whichever way it falls somebody's holding on to some sort of resentment yes. and that leads to a greater chasm between the parents and the kids yes. and that's why again communication is so important it's so important for parents to really ask their kids and listen to their kids what do you want to explore and i don't think there's anything wrong as a parent in expressing what you think might be a good idea and again, mm -hmm. I, I always have to give a shout out to my mom because I think she did this really beautifully where yeah. it's like, she'll be like, this would, I mean, that would be nice. You know, it'll be nice. <laughs> you know, this, you know, it's like, you know, it'll be nice and it'll give you more financial stability and, mm -hmm. you know, you may be more comfortable, but ultimately it's about your happiness. So what do you want to do? There's nothing wrong with 
really educating kids on the financial repercussions of their career decisions. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, I think mm-hmm. that's also very important because let's face it, if you want to be a rapper, you need to know what that's going to look like for your future. Yes, yes. You can't operate from a place of thinking that all rappers are Jay-Z <laughs> or all fashion designers are Javinci, for example, yes, right? Yes. You or need to, exactly, or Kate Spade. <laughs> Kids really need to be aware and conscious of what their path would require from them, the commitment, the sacrifices, the compromises that are going to be made for that. But ultimately, if they decide to pursue it, knowing, having all the information that they need, then I feel like as a parent, you need to give them your blessings, your support, send them on their way to face the world and figure it out. Because I think what a lot of parents don't acknowledge is that these traditional paths also come with great compromises and with great struggle. Just mm-hmm. with the last week, yeah, I think it was last Friday, and to tell me, we had a very, a very long conversation where I yeah. shared with you some of emotional and psychological things I'm going through just with yeah. pursuing law yeah. school. Yeah. And it's not easy. I think a lot of parents assume that these career, these like traditional career paths are insulated from all struggle, mm-hmm. that yeah. you go into these professions and your life is set. Mm-hmm. You're great. You're good. You're not really going to have any issues in life or you're really not going to face any struggles in those fields. And that's not true. That's not true. My best friend is in med school right now, and it's hard. It's difficult. There are a lot of compromises. There's a lot of sacrifice. There's a lot of emotional and psychological pressure. Pressure, yes. But there's the... Exactly. But there's a lot to be done. There's a lot of emotional nurturing. Basically, in these fields, you have to really learn how to control your emotions. Unless just like the ups and downs and the pressures and sort of the failures and the successes that come in these traditional fields, if you don't have regulated emotions, if you're you're not good at regulating your emotions, which is a hard thing to do, regulating your emotions is difficult in these spaces. If you don't know how to do that, you're really going to struggle even more. So I think parents need to understand that these career fields are not going to make your kids perfect and happy and have wonderful lives. It's possible to get in there and experience more failure than you would have going down another path. Also, on the other hand, kids really, really need to also communicate with their parents as to what's working for them and what's not working for them. Mm -hmm. So many African kids graduate from college and it's on graduation day that their parents find out that, oops, my kid is actually not a biology pre-med major. They have switched to fine arts or art Mm -hmm. history or something of that sort. Because there's a lot of fear in communicating with our parents about the things that we don't want anymore, or the things that we found that we're actually not good at. Because as you mentioned, in our community, it's almost taboo to fail. We don't like to fail. And that's why we don't like to try different things. We don't like to try new things. And so that trickles down to kids where it's so hard for us to acknowledge that, "Mm, I'm not doing great at this. I actually don't even like it. So I'm going to switch to doing something else Mm -hmm. and so we have like anxieties on both parts we have parents feeling anxious that if their kids don't go into certain fields or follow certain conventional career paths that their kids are going to struggle in life and their kids are not going to be successful their kids are going to disgrace them and on the kids side you have so many african kids anxious that they're going to disappoint their parents that they're going to end Mm -hmm. up in a place where they're not happy and that they're going to 
spend 10 years, 20 years, 30 years pursuing something that is really not on your hearts, right? And that contributes to this divide, this, this home divide that we're talking about. There yeah. has to be some sort of compromise between both parties, both sides. It has to be because I tip my hat for your mom, you know, because she's such a great mom. I met her and, you know, very nice woman and very open. Even I see the communication, she wasn't pushing and said, oh, Baba, you know, I just want you to do this. She said, you know, whatever you think is right, you know, we support you and everything. She's one of Miss Philippa Apaka Yingsen. I should put her name (laughs) so that she gets her flowers. (laughs) That's what it is. But you brought so many important points. Parents don't realize that if we are not allowing our children to express their emotion. As they get older, like you said, they move away from us. Not only they move away from, like you said, when they go to medical school and they find things difficult, whereby they feel like, okay, let me even call my mom or my dad to talk to them about this. A child that already have the practice years from the time when they were born, whereby if they express their feelings to their parents, they're going to create anxiety. The parents is going to threaten and say, you going to that school and you know you have to do this A, B, and C, and D. If you don't do it, you could count me out of all these things that you're trying to drop from the school or you're trying to drop your major. Count me out. But it's far more than the professional achievement that you want your children to achieve. Another question that we ask parents is that, When you were growing up, what was the pressure that your parents gave you that you must do certain things? Did you end up doing it as a parent? Did your parents have certain expectations from you? Did you follow through all your parents' expectations? And I could tell, many parents will tell you, if they want to be honest, they will tell you, I didn't follow through all the parents' expectations of me. Because it is that when I came to America, it becomes difficult. Or even back home, there's so many other challenges that I faced that I couldn't achieve those things. Or it wasn't my path. Because not everybody will be doctors. Not everybody will be lawyers. Not everybody will be engineers. Your child might have first degree in engineering. And if that child said, listen, I've done enough. Okay. I want to go now and work. Don't tell that child and say, oh, you know, you need to go for your master's because for the bachelor's degree, you don't make enough money. Is that part of your concern? It shouldn't be. Or if the child end up not getting into medical school or got into medical school and find it difficult to be able to sustain, and that child wants to say, you know what, I want to drop out of the medical school. Maybe instead of that, I could do something completely different. Let them go through that path. It is okay. Actually, when you fail and you get up, you build resistance. You're able to build some kind of strength that those area is no more a challenge for you because you say, I've seen so many things being thrown to my path and I'm able to work it out. But if you are the parents that you keep clearing the road for your child, I don't want you to knock your feet anywhere. I'm clearing the road for you. When the challenge is because in life, something will come and you may not be around at that time. How do you want them to be able to manage? How do you want them to be able to think for themselves? If you have to be the one to think for them all the time, it will be difficult. 
because they cannot manage, they cannot think for themselves anymore. So it's through dialogue that you build that strength and communication back and forth with your children. And I'll give you an example. My son is very outspoken. He's the type that sometimes is communicating with me and I know he's angry. And when he's saying something, I might not agree with whatever he's saying, he may be telling me, but I will still listen. I mean, there are times that he tells me, oh, he actually trained me. I think I told you the story, Baba, whereby, you know, he wanted to tell me something. And I said, yeah, say what you have to say. What is the problem? Talk. Let me hear you. And he said, forget about it. I said, why? I'm sitting here. You're telling me to forget about it. He said, because you already make up your mind with your body language. Your response shows that you already make up your mind. So there's no point in me talking anymore. So I said, I have to change the way I respond. And I find out sometimes our children don't even want your advice. They just want you to listen. Don't even talk. Don't even say anything. And you might say, oh, I never did that with my own parents. I never did. <laughs> what? Your time was different. It's time. The challenges that your children are facing is completely different. Back home, you don't need to worry about your race. You don't need to worry about your identity. Your children are worrying about that. This country. They're navigating the system. You have no understanding at all. But you could just give them the wisdom. You could give them the strength that you could advise them. But in navigating that system, you have no idea. Like I put it to a couple of parents before. I said, back home, when you were in school, if you have a fight with your fellow classmates, your parents could get there and resolve it. Because you could go to your classmates' home. Your parents could easily branch into their house and say, look at what these children are doing and be able to resolve it. But here you can't do that. Your child has to find a way to navigate that. The same thing with corporate America. The same thing with the school. Imagine if your child comes from a home whereby they don't have what it takes to be able to be open to dialogue with other people of different races. If they are in medical school, other students are planning study group. <laughs> they think they're going to be locked up in their own room and study while they are fellow students having studied group, whereby they could exchange ideas. They could give them some tips and all that stuff. So a lot of things that we're doing disservice to our children, and we're doing it to ourselves too, because we love to be in a comfort zone. So I believe that's what it is. Yeah, absolutely. But, you know, Kami, I can imagine somebody who's listening, right? Um, an African parent, perhaps, mm -hmm. who's listening to us right now, will be thinking, well, so are these people saying that I should just allow my child to go down a path where they're not going to be successful? Are they saying that the high standards of education mm -hmm. that we set in our community is negative, right? Because everyone, all other cultures look at us, look at Africans are like, wow, they're so education focused. And they look at it like it's a great thing. And they admire our culture. We're putting so much emphasis and priority on education. And that's mm -hmm. how come we can become the model minority. That's how come we're set apart from, quote unquote, the lazy African-Americans. We come into this country and we take full advantage of all the opportunities and we rise through the ranks. Are these people <laughs> on this podcast right now telling me that that's a negative thing? What would you say to that? 
No, nobody is saying your children can have the education. Of course, the sky is the limit in America. But you just have to be able to be open and find out what your children are good at. There's some kids, maybe after high school, they graduated high school, they don't want to go to college. They want to learn trade. They might say, you know what? I want to go into carpentry. I want to be an electrician. I want to do other things that is, is my interest. There's nothing wrong in that. You cannot force what somebody doesn't have interest or ability to do. You can't force it on anybody. But just empower them. Find out what they are good at. Because, you know, you want a child who is a whole person. To be whole does not only come in with academic achievement. To be a whole person also comes with emotional balance. It's not about your children not achieving the educational achievement that you think is appropriate, that you think is so much opportunity for it in America. But everybody has their own path. Everybody has what they are good at. And you should be able to explore what is it that they are good at. Some kids, they want to be able to play with cars. They say, you know what? I want to go to auto mechanic school. You don't know what could come out of that. So it's just for you to be much more open. Because when you don't give all those things, it could lead to a lot of emotional issues. The child may become depressed. They may have a lot of anxiety. They might have so many things going on. And then looking at this society whereby you don't have a place to express yourself or to talk about what your innermost challenges were, there's possibility that you could get involved in activities that would be detrimental to that child. You have some children whereby they start using drugs because they have nobody to be able to express themselves to. Even though mental illness has a lot of time, many things could trigger it. But if it's in that person's DNA, those things could be triggered very early. So it's for you to be able to allow them to explore. And through your guidance here and there, they will be able to get to that ultimate achievement or whatever it is that they want to achieve. But the purpose of having children is to be able to raise children is to raise a whole person you are not raising a robot whereby you could pimp okay you are not good in maths i'm gonna download some program into your head and <laughs> you start becoming an expert in maths or chemistry or biology it's not gonna happen like that so we cannot use compare our children to other people's children achievement or whatever but we just have to look at a child as a unique person as a unique human being as somebody that they are good in whatever they want to do and be able to empower and embrace what it is that they want to pursue. That's a wonderful answer. And I hope that whoever might be out there who is thinking about that question, the hypothetical person that I, yeah. <laughs> that I made up, is satisfied with that answer. But this is a great, great segue to our, the next phase of our conversation, which is on parenting skills. So you mm -hmm. mentioned very, very accurately that the purpose of raising kids is to raise whole human beings. Mm -hmm. You're not raising a robot, you're raising a whole well-rounded person. And so our guide and question for this phase of the conversation 
is how can African parents blend African and American styles of child raising to build up well-balanced kids who do not struggle much with their identities, who do not struggle much with the inner turmoils that might come with living in a home where there's so much divide between Mm -hmm. themselves and their parents. Okay. I remember when Pansa Pansa, the second forum, came into play, and I was writing a review on it, and I said, oh, I looked into parental skills, and I came across the four parental style that no matter where, you know, this is actually published in Psychology Today, which the psychologists, when they did their research, they find out there are four different types of parental style. You might say, oh, well, we're African, you know, why are we talking about psychology here? But as I give example, people will be able to relate to it. Number one parental style is called authoritarian parenting. Authoritarian is the parents that just set their rules. And they tell you, this is what we expect you to do. There's no negotiation. There's no talk back. There's no listening. And there's high rate of discipline. There's always discipline, corporal punishment when that child does not follow through in those kind of parenting style. So there's no negotiation, okay? Those set of children, a lot of time, they might achieve whatever you're pushing them to achieve, but emotionally, they are not balanced. Even they could be very successful, have PhD and everything. I've seen people who have so high level of degree, but emotionally, (laughs) America call it emotional intelligence. They are very low skill when it comes to emotional intelligence. Emotional intelligence is the person who is able to get along with people, who understand communication now, now to relate to other co-workers or people that they come across. They have communication skills. They have human relation skills. Most importantly, they have leadership skills because they are not challenged by every other person's knowledge. They don't feel threatened by anything like that because they understand how to connect with other human beings. Those are the people with emotional intelligence. So if you have a child that you only raise, okay, you are A student, you are this, you are that, whatever I say goes and all that stuff. You're setting up that child for so many roadblocks later on in life. And those are the authoritarian parents. Then we have neglective parenting style, whereby they are non-responsive to the need of the child. They are unconcerned. They are detached. Sometimes there are people with African immigrant community may say, we don't have parents like that. Please, we do. Okay? You know what is going on within your own household and maybe those you are close to. We have neglectful parents within our community, whereby what they focus on is completely different. They focus on that American dream. They feel like, okay, if I have food in the house and I have shelter, you are fine. Okay? You should be okay. And they are not engaging with their children's needs because they feel like, okay, just do whatever you want to do. Um, Whatever you want to do, because this is not my country. I'm going back home. I'm building that mansion back in Nigeria. That's my focus. If you want to do whatever you want to do with yourself, go ahead. Or I'm busy. I have to work double because there's certain things that I'm focusing on right now, which is much more important to me than any other thing, because I need to work extra hours. It's not even a matter of just paying bills. 
the most important deals like rent, but I have other projects I'm doing. So you are full, you have all these things, you are fine with yourself. We don't want to be that kind of parents in our community. Those are neglectful parenting styles. And then they have something they call permissive parenting, whereby only few rules is being said. The rules are really enforced. Because you know why? You are not there. They're a little bit different from neglectful parents. They are loving. They are nurturing. They buy you stuff. Whatever you need, they might buy it for you, thinking that that should be able to satisfy the child. We don't want that. But the only parental style that I will recommend is authoritative parenting, whereby you set the guidelines, you set rules, you're willing to negotiate, you're willing to listen. It's not about always what I said is right all the time. You're willing to see how things are progressing with your children. You're willing to maybe explore their world a little bit to understand what are their challenges that they're going through. Because when you close the door and you don't listen to your children, you don't go into what is it that they're going through to be able to understand how can I be part of this? How can I empower my children? Okay, you could cancel everything out. So on that flip side of authoritative parents, those children who grew up in such a home have a great leadership potential. They have better social skills. They have self-control. Because if you grew up in a home whereby you cannot control yourself, where you constantly face discipline all the time, whereby you cannot even negotiate, you have no way of being able to practice self-control. Because instead of you communicating your emotion, you flare up into anger. Most of, all the time. You have no self-control. Children who grew up in authoritative household, they are much more self-reliance. is highly developed. They are the set of people that <laughs> they might have, let's assume they have only bachelor's degree in engineering and somebody with a PhD in engineering. They might go for interview and the interviewer, the employer might say, I don't want this person, even though he has PhD. But this other person who only have bachelor's or master's degree is much more relatable. Or even they might be working at that job whereby they know your child, of course, is good with numbers, but he has no people skill. We want somebody who have better people skill, who may not be as good because your child could do that job of in numbers. Let's promote the child with better people skill. And they become the leaders. Okay, so for us, I know it's very difficult. One thing with a lot of us parents is that we have to realize that this is a different society. And sometimes some of the stuff that we get ourselves engaging that is less important, we need to take it away from everyday life that takes away our attention from what is much more important in our life, which is our children. We need to disengage ourselves and focus more because even Raising children in this country is one thing that I found out, that you engaging with your children, you could also even find more about yourself. You could find more about who you are through that. But if you close that gap, if you close that communication, whereby you just the sudden way of how you were raised, you want to raise your children like that, then you are not discovering a new self of who you are or who you as a parent could become. Yeah. 
So just to summarize, we have four parenting styles. I'm just going to go yeah. through them quickly just to make sure that everyone understands what the different styles are. Yeah. So we have the authoritarian parenting, authoritarian. Mm-hmm. This involves setting high expectations with little room for negotiation. And the rule of communication is one way and rules are rarely explained. It's basically a dictatorship, you know, in the household. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and then we have the neglectful parenting style where parents are non-responsive to their children's needs. They're generally unconcerned and emotionally distant and they offer little or no supervision whatsoever. Mm-hmm. And then we have the permissive parenting style and this involves very few rules and the rules are not are rarely enforced mm-hmm. so the household typically doesn't have any rules and even the few rules that they have meh, they don't care enough to enforce yeah, those rules yeah, yeah. and so even though these parents are usually very loving and nurturing they really don't provide any structure or guidance for the kids and then we have the recommended one as Kemi said or suggested which is the authoritative parenting style not to be confused with authoritarian parenting <laughs> styles. You know, yeah. there's a huge difference. So mm-hmm. with the authoritative parenting style, these parents have high expectations, but they also have clear explanations and clear boundaries in the household. And they also open to negotiation. And most importantly, they're nurturing as well. Mm-hmm. So they set these expectations, but they provide the emotional and material resources for kids to understand what's expected of them and for kids to negotiate, you know, with yeah, what's they're expected open of to them. Negotiation. Right, yeah. exactly. And providing the resources for kids to actually rise up to those expectations. So this is very good to know, Auntie Cami. This is very good to know to sort of have these frameworks yes. in your mind and mm-hmm. to organize just to have like an organizational structure to how we think about parenting styles. So what's the blend here? The blend is what? The blend is you just have to take what is more important. Like I said, in terms of authoritative parents, it's not because you should deny your culture or your tradition because many of your culture, like I said, the tradition, you can't even practice it. Because as a parent, you can't fully, even yourself, give all those tradition here because the society does not permit it. So you have to learn to negotiate. It's not because you want to take away your culture and throw it away. When my children were growing up, there's days that they know they have to eat traditional food and they will eat the food with me, the traditional dishes. That does not mean when it's time to wear the traditional attire, they put it on. So they dress up and they wear the attire. I speak the language at home. Even though they might not speak they do respond to me and uh, whatever they don't understand, I explain it again. Also regarding the respect, of course, they have to also respect whereby when they see me, even with their friends, I say, listen, I know your friends, they come from parents who are liberal. Tell them not to call me by my first name, period. I don't play that. So they know <laughs> to tell their friend and say, that's my mom. My children call me Yami. Many of their friends end up calling me Yami. That means my mother in my language. And when they ask, they said, what is the meaning of Yami? It means my mother. Some of them end up calling me that. So it's not because we, we want to trade some of the most important part of our culture. Because like I said, part of raising children is to raise a human being, a whole human being, a whole person. Every home, most homes in America give their children structure in terms of moral values. 
which many culture actually spells it out. Those moral values is very important. Work hard, don't steal, don't do this, don't do that. You know, so you don't even know what is going on in many people's homes. But within your home, you know what you have to implement on your children. That is very important. So you could blend both culture in, but you just have to be open. You have to be open, create that dialogue, communication from a very young age. Let them talk back and forth with you. They end up building skills on how to express themselves. And, you know, you could allow them to be able to negotiate back and forth with you. Because when they get outside there, whether they are in school or they are working in corporate world, they will be able to negotiate what they want. But if they are not have been practicing it from home, from a very young age, it will be very difficult for them to do that later on. Because it's not just going to come down into their system just like that. It takes practice. Like I said, when I go out and I see whether African-American or American people in general, white, black, or Latino, and they're looking at the child in the eye contact with the child and saying, tell me what you want. Speaking in complete sentence, why do you think I should give you this? You said you want me to buy. Why do you think I should give you that? And the child will build up a way to actually have negotiation start with the parents and tell you the reason why certain things is needed. It's part of child development that is needed. Honestly, I'm so sad that we've come to the end of this episode because <laughs> it's been a wonderful learning experience for me. You're so knowledgeable, Auntie Kemi, and it's such an honor and such a pleasure to have these conversations with you and to host this podcast with you. We have these conversations on the regular, right? On the phone when we're talking. <laughs> so it's really, really wonderful that we've been able to put this on a platform to yes. reach so many people. Thank you. And thank you too. Thank you too, Baba, because you understand a way to bring the conversation to play itself out. You understand how to ask the question, what are the important issues that you've heard from your generation, from your friends, Going to school, what are their struggles? You actually being able to pull this up together and say, you know what, this is part of what I think we need to focus on. And because you care so much about our community, because not too many people of your generation who actually have dialogue back and forth with an adult. And that tells me that your mom did a good job. Oh, thank you so much. <laughs> I will did. let her know. <laughs> she did a very good job thank because you, you so understand much. how to express yourself, understand how to actually bring the conversation in a way that parents could understand. Because we want our younger generation to communicate the way you're communicating. That's why this aspect of you and I having dialogue back and forth is very important. Because our children will also be able to understand that, okay, maybe I could engage into communication with adults within our community if I could present myself in this manner. Because like I said, not a lot of people will have such demeanor that you have, but, you know, at least try. Because we don't want a younger generation and the older generation to cut off, to not have the communication or build the bridges. We need you guys the same way you need us. There's a need for that connection between the children and the parents. And that's what we're doing through the Panza Panza conversation. Podcast, yes, yes, yes. <laughs> oh, yeah. 
Well, thank you. Thank you to everyone who's listening. Thank you for tuning in. And we hope to have you back here with us on the next episode of the Ponza Ponza podcast as we continue to explore the nuances of the African immigrant experience and beyond.